Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Talk of the Tune, a Newcastle United podcast. My name is Will, and as usual, I'm joined by my good pals and co-hosts, Hodge and Gray. How are you, lads? Hello. Good, how are you? I am very well, thank you. Yeah, well, I'm one third of the podcast that's not been struck down by some illness or booster-related illness <laughs> yet. Hodge, you're, you're not feeling too well, are you, Hodge? And then, no. Gray, you, you just had your booster. Hi. Just that time of year, exactly what you want, four days before Christmas, isn't it? Lovely jubbly. Not just not just illness making me miserable, it's the football as well, but we'll get on to that. <laughs> well, indeed, indeed, Yeah. Obviously, we come to you with loads of positivity. But before we get into it, I think it's only right that we do our small bit and dedicate this podcast to Newcastle fan Bob Swinney, who unfortunately collapsed outside the stadium on the way to the Man City game on Sunday and uh, and passed away. Thoughts and prayers are with his family. Awful time and an awful thing for, for them to go through. Rest in peace, Bob. Well, I think, yeah. Let's get into it. Set the tone for an exciting podcast. We've got a couple of couple of results to go through. So we'll be going through and analysing the Liverpool game. Then we'll be analysing the most recent fixture against Manchester City, which we were all, weirdly enough, present at. First time in a very long time we've done that. But before we get into that, Alex Gray, Christmas pudding, yes or no? Ooh, is it No. <laughs> I mean, there was a bit of, tre- <laughs> bit of hesitation, trepidation there. What, 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 what's, what's that about? Uh, it depends how many glasses of wine I've had at dinner. <laughs> a few glasses of wine, a few ports, a few sherries. Yeah. Okay, what? So yeah. if you're drunk enough, you, you just lose all sense of taste and smell, do you? You need some starch to soak it up. Ah, that's a good point. Isn't it drowned in booze anyway? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had to burn it off, don't you? That's true. Is it brandy that you serve Christmas pudding in? Unless you mind that when you put rum on it. <laughs> a, bit of, a bit of a Caribbean twist of Christmas pudding. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hodgson, Christmas pudding, yes or no? I'm not a fan, man. I'm not a fan. Anything like that, the flavour is just my, not my cup of tea. Like mince pies as well. I'm not a fan of mince pies. They can get nah. in the bin. So I love a mince no, pie. A no from me. It's fruitcake, isn't it? It's like the cake you get at like a wedding and stuff. You know, that one's covered in marzipan. I hate all that oh, shit. Marzipan man. is disgusting as well. Yeah, it's oh. rank, man. Well, yeah, if you hadn't gathered, I'm a, a firm no for Christmas pudding, but my man makes a wicked trifle, so I'll be tanning that after my Christmas <laughs> dinner on Saradier. Well, yeah, good one. Bit of a Christmas theme. I'll try and drop as many Christmas tidbits in as we go, but not feeling very Christmassy or festive at the minute with our terrible run of games and fixtures. We seem to always get screwed by the Premier League or those that be and set the fixture list. 
I think they just don't want any Geordie to be happy over Christmas. I remember it being really tough last year. Yeah, really, really shit run of games. If we go in chronological order, so two games ago, we were playing... I was going to say we were playing Liverpool, but it turns out we're actually playing Mike Dean, who's a fucking idiot. <laughs> I think we're all, you guys were watching more of it than me. I was I was watching it in the pub, but people were trying to distract me because they know I'm a Newcastle fan. So, Hodge, last time you ran us through the Burnley game or the first game, Gray, do you want to maybe just talk us through or give us a brief synopsis of the game and the events that, that took place? I know there's lots to uh, lots to jump off from this point. We, we got off to a bit of a flyer, didn't we, with uh, Shelby scoring from was about 20, 23 yards? Seventh minute, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, by all accounts, it seemed to be what how his game plan was to go out there and just try to silence the crowd as quickly as possible. And I think we did just that until 10, 15 minutes later when Isaac Hayden went down after a challenge from Mane. Yeah, he got a bonk on the head, didn't he, from yeah. a corner? Yeah. yeah, the referee takes three glances at it and for some reason allows play to continue to allow Jota to have two shots to which he draws a good save out of Dubravka first time around but then starts at home second time and yeah well I think shit hit the fan didn't it really um all down from there wasn't <laughs> it yeah I mean how is he not giving that I mean it's a head injury like it's just you can't there's no excuse for not giving that if a player's got a head injury you have to call it straight away and do the responsible thing Hodgie, I know you're you're pretty opinionated on this. I don't know if you want to just jump in while we're talking about the the first of many incidents of that game. I mean, for player protection alone, it didn't really look like it really must have hit his head that much. But just for pure player protection, especially nowadays with head injuries, what it could lead to later in life. Exactly, something like that needs to be picked up on hundred percent. That's all it takes, isn't it? Though, like it might look inconspicuous, but who knows the way he's landed, the where he's hit his head, what's actually happened? You just—that's the whole reason they have this rule or they have this guidance to stop the game immediately if a player has a head injury. And yet again, we've been humped by a questionable refereeing decision. And I'm so glad to see, I don't want to kind of get onto it a little bit early because there's a number of things that went wrong in that match, but it's good to see the club lodging a formal complaint to the Premier League over the standard of the officiating. You know, how many times are, are random things going to go against us and cost us points and cost us... I'm not for any one minute saying that we're going to go out there and thump Liverpool, but there's things in that game that if they'd gone differently and they'd gone correctly, Correctly, we actually might have had a chance or it would have been a lot closer. Yeah, I think we're all kind of baying for blood at the minute. Yeah, let's get through the, the rest of the bit. I know Hodgie's kind of chomping at the bit to jump in here, but let's quickly give us a roundup of, of what else happened in the game. So yeah, after Jota's equaliser, Shelby had a shocker and played Mane through on goal, who again drew a good save from Dubravka. Unfortunately, it landed in the path of Salah, who isn't going to miss just before that. Was it before that? But ASM missed a golden opportunity one-on-one with, with Alisson. But then I think when we were 2-1 down, was it the second half? Alexander-Arnold just takes Fraser out when the ball's played to him from the right-hand side. Yeah, Fraser doesn't have control of the ball, but nor's Trent Alexander-Arnold. He's not. He's made no contact with the ball and he's just wiped Fraser out without really giving him the opportunity to, to control yeah. it. So another controversial decision that goes against us, yep. I think. Had it been your Salas or your Mane's, well, you look at what happens when they back penalty away against James Madison, mm-hmm. uh, soft is out, really. That goes against us and then we don't get this 
penalty given our way. Yeah, I think late on, Alexander Arnold scores a bit of a, a wonder goal, well, doesn't he? Uh, well, Unsighted by Mike D. I was going to say, even that's contentious, <laughs> that goal. Even that's fucking shocking. Every single goal was contentious in a way. It wound me up so fucking much. But yeah, as you say, Gray, I mean, the game has then ended 3-1. And as far as I'm aware, the controversial incidences were, first of all, the head injury, that the game should have been stopped at that point, or the match, you know, it should have been... Um, put out of play got ryan fraser it's a mixture of things us being masters of our own downfall and then the premier league refereeing conspiring against us so you've got ryan fraser who as you say is clean through on on goal gets taken out i mean it wouldn't have been so bad had i not been watching the west ham game the day before where sufal their right back tackles someone in the box i think it's arsenal was it arsenal was it Lacazette yeah, when they were playing Arsenal? Too. So he went through him. He got his foot on the ball more so than fucking Alexander Arnold did. But he's taken the man out. He's gone through the back of him or through the, through the side of him. They've given that as a penalty and also sent him off for a second yellow. Can't fathom why it's not been given. I mean, you've got all the pundits and everyone a match of the day and everything like screaming about it. And, you know, all the ex-referees like Dermot Gallagher, whatever, saying that should have been a penalty. But this is what I keep saying. I was saying this to Hodge as well, like quite a lot when we're at the match. Like, it's all good complaining about it afterwards, but we're not reaping the benefits or we're not seeing anything. Even lodging a formal complaint, like we're not going to see any benefits, not going to get us more points on the board. And we still find ourselves in the same problem. We're just going blue in the, you know, we can scream until we're blue in the face, but it doesn't help the results on the pitch. And then the final perspective, Mike Dean just totally getting in the way of Alexander Arnold's shot. I mean, you slow it down. When he strikes the ball, Mike Dean is pretty much stood right in front of it, unsighting Dubravka. I mean, don't take anything away from the strike. It's a class strike. You know, it's it's a huge assist and a huge blockage for Dubravka in that situation. It's just a shocker. I'll just come to Hodge because I know you've been waving your hand around. Yeah. In the post-match, I think you had like a chat with, might have been Liverpool fan TV or something like that. It basically went, I just thought I hit it because it's against Newcastle. Just shows you like the run of form and how our form has given other players and other so teams confidence, man. isn't it? What my main first point was going to be, Jamal Lewis pulls up with a hamstring injury after 15 minutes and we put Matt Ritchie on. How much do you reckon losing a good bit of pace in the game to maybe deal with some of their speedier players such as Alexander Arnold working that side how much do you reckon that changed the game and how we played I didn't think we were ever too far away from the pace of the game I don't think they dominated in the way we maybe expected them to again unfortunately it's just a game that's been marred in controversy like which has taken away from I don't think Liverpool were really firing on all cylinders and I think Klopp came out afterwards and said he wasn't particularly happy with the performance even though they've beaten us 3-1 but from our perspective it's just been mod, modern controversy, as fucking usual. Alex Green? I thought we gave him a, a bloody good game, and considering that top and given our, our run of form and our horrendous defending, I thought we played well. And if we had a little bit of luck, had that whistle been blown for the head injury before that first goal went in, it would have been a, a much harder, I think, for Liverpool to then to equalise. Mm. Yeah, had, had we got the penalty and things like that, I still don't think we would have had enough in that game to win it. But... To walk away from Anfield with potentially a point would have been huge for us, given the situation yeah. at the minute. Like, beating one of the best teams in Europe. Like, just getting that one point off them would have been huge for morale and just Confidence, belief within yeah. the camp. Completely screwed over by someone who's supposed to be impartial five or six years ago. The FA refused to let Mike Dean referee an FA Cup final where Liverpool were playing in because they couldn't prove his impartiality. I think both his sons are fucking Liverpool fans as well. Like it's just 
beggar's belief. Like it's like putting Michael Oliver in charge of one of our games and seeing how that fucking goes. It's absolutely ridiculous. But I think he's he's just a total comic character in the world of refereeing at the minute, Mike Dean. But unfortunately, we've bore the brunt, bore the consequence of it. And I don't want to be that really complacent Newcastle fan that sits here and, and blames all of our misfortune. Well, I was going to say blames all our misfortune, but blames all our poor results on misfortune and on the referees and, and trying to shift the blame elsewhere. We're not good enough, but we all know that. But when you're not good enough and the decisions are going in favour of number one and two in the league, you just think there's just no way we're going to get out of this. I mean, you can battle and battle and battle as hard as you can, but if the referees aren't going to be there, you can't rely on them to actually do their jobs effectively, then what more can you do? I'm conscious we're, we're spending a bit of time on Liverpool and it's not even the most recent game. We weren't expecting anything from the Liverpool game, but again, it's the hope that kills you. When you go, when you score a goal like Shelby does, you're thinking, God, we might get something out of this. Alas, it wasn't meant to be. The next game, another, an equally easy fixture we played Manchester City at home on Sunday as I say all three of us were there quite a joyous day very exciting it's the first game I've been to in a very long time that joy didn't last very long we conceded in the fifth minute an absolute defensive shit show I don't know where the, the blame lies it seems like it lies with Kieran Clark who just could have headed the ball out if in doubt head it out put the ball out it kind of bounces in the box. He doesn't deal with it. I don't know if he's had a call from Dubravku who said he's going to get it or whatever. Didn't happen. We've then let fucking Zhao Cancelo run through pretty much our entire team. I think he puts Isaac Hayden flat on his bloody ass. He scores a good goal. The third goal comes from... Riyad Mahrez. Deep ball in. Everyone thought he was offside, but he was actually bang on. Oh yeah, we were ser- we were pretty much in line with that decision as well, where we were. Yeah. I thought he was on, like... I was certain he was off, but obviously he, he wasn't. I was certain. I convinced myself. I think most of our players had as well. And then the final nail in the coffin, an easy ball across the middle to Raheem Sterling for a tap-in. Yeah, another game modern refereeing controversy as well. Hodge, you've had your hand up. I know we, we were absolutely, we were spitting feathers by, I think, the third goal that went in well after the first goal went in to be honest it was a it was a joke of a goal what did you think of the game the first one for Ruben Diaz just to tap in basically with his head I think Kieran Clark must get a call because otherwise I, I definitely would think he would have had that so I kind of blame Dubravka for not just following through because that's what keepers are told to do they're told to they're told to like even if a penalty even if someone drills it down the middle they're told to dive so there's definitely certain rules in goalkeeping where it is you call for the ball no matter what you do you go and try and get it yeah. Um, even if it means go through the back of your own player, which you see done plenty of times in the in the Premier League anyway. It's Kieran Clark as well. Just take the fucker out. <laughs> no, mind you, take him out when, when Feddy's due back up. That'll, true, that'll probably be all right. True, true, true. And then the second bit to, to answer your question there, the, the kind of controversy again with uh, Ryan Fraser being at the centre of attention. Ball gets played through. Joe Cancelo, I think it is, makes it back just in time. I mean, nicks it away from Fraser, but in comes uh, Edison. Here comes Edison sliding completely out of control <laughs> and just wipes out Ryan Fraser about five to, to six foot away from in play and it's it's waved away like there's nothing to matter just like oh it's just been reviewed it's been waved away so there was just no like nothing was you couldn't see anything on the TV screens there was nothing even on BBC News when I was trying to flick through not like I could get any freaking signal in the stadium anyway you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so it, and, and just looking looking back over highlights it seems like it was just 
waved over in one. I really don't understand how that's really come about because you see you see so many things like that given where mm. it's it's so easy to give. You know what I mean? Like it just seems like a stupid, stupid decision. Completely agree. I mean, Gray, I think you're you're pretty. Uh, here comes Captain Controversial. I mean, there's nothing. There's no controversy in this, is there? It's just a stonewall pen. If you look at, I think the letter of the law is if there's an off the ball foul, it should be an indirect free kick to the team which has been fouled. How that one is not a foul, and if it's not within play of the ball, it should be a penalty. I, I don't know. Again, just another baffling decision. Like, what has the referee seen there not to give at least something in our favour? Does he know that again? Is it in the same situation where he, if he has to, if he gives a penalty, does he have to send Edison off because he's reckless? He's come out mm. with no intention of trying to. Well, probably every intention of winning the ball, but he's not in control. And if you look at a lot of our players who previously have been sent off for not being in control, one, check Tiose every other week, God rest his soul. I remember him putting a tackle, I think it was against someone like Brentford, where he did leap off the ground, but he's won the ball fairly, yet he gets sent off for not being in control of his actions. So if Edison does that, well, the difference is he's not even run the ball, so... Is it because the referees are too scared to give a decision where the Earth Liverpool game, do they then have to send Alexander Arnold off for it being a goal scoring opportunity? And exactly the same with Edison. Are the referees too scared to send off a top six player, which could have a huge impact on the game? Yeah, well, it's that, that typical thing, isn't it? Goalkeepers are like a, a species of animal that's going extinct. Uh, I think they, they get more protection rights than, than most things in the world. Uh, I don't know what it is, but two problems. Martin Atkinson, or I saw on the replays, a clear sight of the challenge. He's looking directly at it. So to say that he hasn't seen it, or if that's his excuse, then whatever. But you have a second layer of protection, which is VAR, which should have picked that up. And for Craig Pawson, who was the VAR ref at the time, to not give that. I think every single piece of punditry or commentary afterwards, you know, obviously Alan Shearer's uh, come in and said, you know, I can't remember, is it Mike Riley who's like the boss of the the Premier League referees? He's kind of so, given yeah. him a shake up and says that needs to be reviewed. But it's people that aren't even associated with Newcastle United coming in and saying that's, that's just a penalty. It just is. I mean, there's no getting around it. Again, you've got to be careful. We can't just sit here for 20 minutes or whatever and say, well, you know, the, the refereeing decisions, you know, didn't go our way. If, if they did, would still be in the game. There was no chance we were going to win that game. I mean, they dominated us on the kind of on the ball. I'd love to see the possession stats. I've not looked lately, but it just seems like we didn't have a, a sniff all game. We had more possession in the Man City game than we did in the Liverpool game, apparently, by 2%. Didn't feel like it. I mean, it just <laughs> didn't feel like we, we ever got our foot on the ball at all. But not a good one to go back to St. James's Park for. But, but thankfully, you know, the saving grace is all the sports direct signs are down in the stadium now. Hooray! <laughs> we take our little victories, don't we? Uh, Hodgie, what do you reckon? Uh, just kind of quickly, I don't know if the referee was maybe maybe he's waiting on VAR for the penalty decision against Man City I'm talking about here. I don't know whether the VAR was maybe, or the referee was trying to get the, the weight on VAR being like, actually, yes, go back, which is annoying as hell. Don't Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, or I, I just don't, don't understand, but that just gives more and more of an argument to link up the Premier League referees to mm. to something like what they have for, for rugby, where they go, hello, I'm speaking to the people in the box. Can you look at this? This is what I'm looking at or looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it would make, it would make, I think the fans appreciate more why things are being given, but, and then it, you'll feel less unjust. A, a, a good chunk of things. I mean, you still probably have people who have a gripe with what they're explaining. 
but yeah. at least they're trying to explain what they think rather than it being completely blank and it comes up on the screen saying goal pending and you're like yeah, yeah. Right, okay what, what are they looking at here then or penalty pending what are the what are they looking at i want to hear what they're looking at totally transparent you just want a bit of transparency don't yeah, you in that decision making yeah. process and they need to be held the problem is at the minute sorry gray i know you've you got points coming here but just to to link that up they're not held to account at all there's just no accountability it's literally you as soon as that final whistle blows, those referees, they're fine. They go home, they get ready for their next match, and they'll be refereeing another Premier League fixture the next week. And there's no accountability. There's no, like, fines. There's no suspensions. You know, this is the impact that they have is enormous. And I know it's just football. The financial impact, the impact it has on people, the players, it's a huge decision. And for that to cost a club a place in the Premiership, you know, I'm not saying that if those had gone our way, we would have stayed up. There's so many kind of attributing factors, but the impact and the weight of their decision making and their poor decision making is enormous. And I don't think that is taken into account. There's no accountability. Personally, I think there needs to be a fucking uh, independent review of the referees in the, in the Premier League. I don't know who's going to do it. Put your name forward. Yeah, fucking <laughs> right. I will. My yeah, my verdict will be that they all need to be sacked. But just again, anecdotally, I mean, Hodge, the match we were saying, we were, by the way, just context, Hodge and I were sat away from Gray and his stepdad, Nick, for the game. I think the standard in the standard of the refereeing, like in the 1990s. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app, at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com was like miles apart and so much better than it was now. So for some reason, it feels like the quality of the refereeing within the Premier League has gone down. The more resource and the better quality equipment and training they've got. I don't know if it's like complacency or they're just resting on these things. They've lost that accountability and they're just totally complacent. What do you think, Gray? Well, I think just to touch on your point there before I go back to something Hodge said. I was reading something today and it sounds like referees are basically put into this camp now and it almost fast tracks them to become a Premier League referee I think if you go back to like the 90s and things like that you're just touching on a lot of referees would have been former footballers themselves so would actually have a lot of game awareness understand the ebbs and flows of the game kind of what players are looking for and that and that gives them a sort of understanding of okay was that player deliberately trying to cheat or, or not, or kind of you, you look at the penalty situation of Ryan Fraser and Alexander Arnold. Like in theory, Fraser's not got control of the ball, so I think by the letter of the law, it's right that the penalty wasn't given. But in the when you look at it, like the foul actually prevents from getting control of a ball. Which so to the letter of the law, the referee is probably correct, but actually in the context of the game, it is completely wrong. There's probably a bit of a 
that kind of almost knowledge gap between the current breed of referees not understanding or not having played a game, especially at the professional level. While I also just want to say I couldn't agree with more with what Hodge was saying. And I think I ranted quite a lot in our little WhatsApp group after the match saying it's about time that the referees are, are mic'd up. It's, it happens in every other sport around the world. Referees are mic'd up so supporters can hear what their decision is. And I think it's a huge part of the game. And football's great because we it is down to the interpretation of the referee. Most sports are. It's down to the interpretation of the referee. And until we can understand what the referees have determined a potential foul to be and the reason why he's given it mm. or why he hasn't given it. You need to understand that. Yeah, exactly. You're totally right. You need to understand the logic that's gone into making that decision because for all they, their logic could be wrong or there may have been something that we've missed. We need the context around that decision really. And it needs that transparency, as you say, like we need to know the thought process or what he's thinking and then saying, right, I don't think this is a penalty because of X, Y, and Z. Please, can we review and look at this and, and see, you know, if if I'm correct? That's exactly the question which referees ask in rugby. They ask questions like, is there any reason I can't award this try? Exactly. Like, are you able to let me know if I missed anything and build up to it? Like, they're the types of questions. And they clearly can't see it. Yes, there's a lot more physical contact and blurred lines in rugby, but why does it happen in rugby and not, not football? Martin Atkinson or a referee is just one man he's sat on the pitch you know there's only so much he can see with his naked eye it's down to the var like that's why we've brought in this measure and alan shearer summed it up perfectly it's like the problem isn't with var it's with the people operating it for that game in particular craig porson was the referee manning the var and he's just got it horribly wrong man it's just the absolute uproar i want to hear them like in a post-match interview I want to hear the fucking refs come out and say, or, you know, I think Shira said this as well, like, if they've got one horribly wrong and it's determined that it's horribly wrong, because they'll analyse themselves and analyse the performance afterwards, they need to come out and say, yeah, sorry, we've got our, you know, hands up, we got this one wrong, or this is why we said this wasn't, and according to the law, this is why this happened. But there's none of that. The game literally fucking finishes and we're all just left here to sit and stew. It just can't go on like that anymore. They just, there needs to be accountability. They need to be accountable for their fucking decisions and they need to sack the fucking lot of them. <laughs> so there is, I suppose, an element of accountability in the fact that they have to write a post-match report. Whoever sees that. So that was going to be my point. Like That report would get handed probably to the Premier League who then decides, okay, was this foul missed, whatever, uh, and then they can then go and take retrospective action there. Only if it's not stated in the referee's report, I think, is the, is the rule. But... Why Why can't we just make that referee's report a published document Public. to wider fans? And then that gives you the insight into why, this, why that decision's been made. But I think it's possibly a good time to mention a little comment from Mark Horsey, who is a referee, a Premier League referee. Well, I think he retired in 2013. But I think he mentioned on Twitter that he's been in a situation when he's seen an incident but has been told to say he hasn't seen it. He says that that's not come from the FA, but it's actually come from the PGMOL, which I believe is the union who looks after the referees, well, the Premier League referees in particular. So the fact that a comment like that's been been made and hasn't been at least investigated, to my knowledge, it might well have been investigated, is seriously concerning for the game. And it's going to throw it to disrepute. Yeah. Is he just looking for a bit of attention or clickbait, though? That's the thing with re- these retired people. You never really know. Hodgie, what do you what do you reckon to that? 
I mean, I just wanted to check you. You were still alive, Hodge. You've been quiet for a while. You know? <laughs> well, I've been, I've been muting myself every now and again, just coughing into the abyss. Like, but uh... oh, lovely, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you mentioned his name because I think he also came out and was saying that he claims that referees are on a bonus amount of bookings that they give out. Bullshit! That can't be legal. Which, which I hope isn't true because that means that's just going to just implode on itself, isn't it? Is that but like, what... uh, is that like ticket inspectors and parking tickets? Police have to make X amount of arrests, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. that's, it's that's for the, refer- thing, like... the refereeing Christmas party. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. All the funds. <laughs> but what he did also come out and say, is, which I think is quite a good little idea, as long as you can prove that there's no kind of bias and stuff. He also said that English refereeing society or whatever should try and fast track lower league players that retire early from injury or all sorts into refereeing because then they actually have the understanding and the flow of the game in the head because some of these referees might not even have played the game before. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the point Gray was making before. Like, you need an understanding of the game, whereas I feel like the fucking current crop of Premier League referees are all like ex-geography teachers. That's what <laughs> that's what I think when I look at them. But that's, yeah, that's a really good point, Hodge. Please spin as well, isn't it? Uh, yeah. It was Clattenburg? No, not Clattenburg. Yeah, it was, it was, one who went to the World Cup, can't remember his uh, name. Bold, the bald guy. Yeah. Um, Pierluigi Galina. No, no, no. English lad. Oh, was it Howard Webb? Yeah. Howard Webb, yeah. He was a, he yeah. was a uh, policeman in the year. Do you remember Uriah Rennie in the, in the <laughs> 90s? Rennie. was like, like one of the only lads to send Shear off, but he was a black belt in some martial arts, so no one was ever going to fuck with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but you, yeah, Hodge, that's, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, you've both made the same point there. It's, it's or the, the core of the point is the same. There needs to be an understanding of the game, and I think when you're dragging up all these fucking nerds, giving them so much power, without an understanding based on this, it's all good reading about football, but have you actually played it, and do you understand it? Do you want to hear a quote on Uriah Rennie from Mark Clanberg. Yeah, go on. Easily the most arrogant, incompetent buffoon ever to referee in years was Uriah Rennie, absolute twat. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like Clattenburg. I quite like him. Uh, well, it helps that he's a, he's a Geordie, but I bet you one thing, he didn't say that directly to Rennie's face. Yeah, definitely not. Probably would have got filled in. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's just such a miserable topic to be talking about. We've spent an entire football podcast talking about fucking the refereeing in the Premier League rather than our nearest and dearest football club, Newcastle United. But, you know, it's starting to have real impact on us. And mind you, I'd rather talk about that than the the 4-0 drubbing we ended up getting. Don't know. And I don't know what the outcome of this official complaint is going to be like or what we actually get from it or what can be done. Is it that certain referees don't ref our games anymore? I'm not too sure. Grager, do you want to give us a final point? before we move on to the, the Man United predictions. Yeah, and I wanted to kind of end on a slightly lighter note and... Not possible. I thought you were going to say <laughs> controversial is. note and I was like, there we go. There's a catchphrase. <laughs> I don't know if you boys are still in the stadium when this happened, but my word, the fans at the end, I think after that fourth goal went in, probably about 30,000 people just got up and walked out at St. James's. But the Gallagher ends, got, got more flags, got all the flags back out and just... The stadium was absolutely bouncing. And it's the last five five minutes plus stoppage time of the game. If you're a footballer and you watch that around the world, if you're someone like Nathan Ake, who's sat on the bench at City, and you see see fans like that cheering your team on, even though they've been hammered 4 0. Walloped, yeah. Like, it's got to be eye opening. Surely it's got to bring a bit of passion back into the game. And it was just incredible to see. A lot of people say we've got the best fans in the world. And I think. That just proves it. And I think Pep came out and said it, that he was just in awe and in shock of, of the Newcastle fans at the end of that match, singing all the way to the final. <laughs> 
Uh, well, it would be. He's coming from Man City, which <laughs> I think I heard more from the away fans than we've heard from the Etihad in, in the last 15 years or whatever. But yeah, great. It's a, it's a really good point. I mean, that's the lifeblood of the club, isn't it? So it's at the end of the day, regardless of where we are, which league we're in, no matter how bad things are, we, we've got the fans. The fan is the one constant or the fan base is the one constant that the club has. Good light note to end it on. Thanks. Thanks so much, Gray. Well, to end the Man City analysis on anyway, we then move on to another heavy heavy note so as we said the villain of the story ultimately from our perspective in the man city game was craig porson who was the referee in charge of the var for man city funnily enough he's actually the referee officiating our very next game on the 27th of december against man united i mean you couldn't actually fucking write this stuff you you just couldn't it's almost as if the the people at the premier league or whoever it is the pg whatever it is are just trying to fuck us off he's going to get a very very frosty reception from the newcastle fans though isn't he without delving into it too much i mean man united they've brought in ralph ragnick who's this one of the originators of the gagan press uh, seems like he really knows his stuff about football he's got man united kind of winning games again i'm not feeling too confident but just for your score predictions, <laughs> a little Christmas present to ourselves. Hodge, did you want to come in on something before, or did you want to lead off with your prediction first? I'll lead off with my prediction and a point. Their last game would be the 11th of December, so they're having 16 days between fixtures. So I think fatigue will probably be an issue, and also um, Ragnick will be able to work his magic a little bit in terms of trying to get them on the straight and narrow and all that time. I hope not. They should all be isolating. <laughs> Yeah, true. If the game's been postponed, they should all be isolating. Can they can they not all isolate together in a hotel as one? In a in a bubble. Yeah, in a bubble and then train together, I think is what I think is what they probably probably yeah. doing. If if they were smart, I mean Man United hasn't been run smartly in a in a considerable <laughs> amount of years, so who knows what actually is fucking happening. They've all been playing FIFA and trying to understand it from there. Yeah. Um, but I think I think it's gonna be a two nil loss to, to Manchester United. Uh, sorry, to Newcastle United, Manchester two nil. Manchester United 2-0. Yep. Okay, yeah. Well, good. It's a very good point. Like, that's a big, big, big gap. And if they are able to trade in that time, it seems like an incredibly unfair advantage for a team that is now kind of in the top half of the table. And once again, it's the teams at the bottom of the table that get shafted. Gray, uh, ever the optimist, what do you reckon the score is going to be against Man United? Yeah, I'm just going to kind of flip what Hodge said on the head. They've not played uh, in, is it 11 days? So... Or it'll be much longer than that. By then it'll be 16 days. 16 days. So why not go in with a bit of belief, a bit of confidence that they may have all been training individually in their hotel rooms or illegally out on the pitch, who knows? But why not? Let's let's cause an upset. And we always give Man U a fucking good game, don't we? So go to go 3-1 to Newcastle. Woo! <laughs> Oh my god! Someone's been smoking crack. Is that Nyquil you've been drinking to get rid of your uh, <laughs> your ailments? Has it got? Is it actually a bottle of rum? <laughs> Nightmares. Wow, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. Fine. Where do I stand on the situation? I mean, I just can't see us really getting anything out of this game at all. Like I've said for the last couple of games, it's all good. Me, I just feel a bit miserable coming on this podcast now. <laughs> We're going back. Although everything's kind of going in the right direction, we've got new owners, we've got a new manager, the results aren't going our way. Well, I think we're just going through a bit of a slump at the minute, but you're bound to with that run of fixtures. Uh, I am going to go 2-0 Man United as well. I think they're going to, yeah, I think they're going to score two goals against, even though they've only scored, I think, one goal in each of their last God knows how many games. I don't know, that's that's a stat I saw, that's a bit ropey, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to be 2-0 Man United. Joy, joy, joy. Yeah, Fellow belief, aren't you? 
I know. Right? Fuck. I'm, well, I was always the optimist, but they've now beaten it out of me. Season referees. season two, Will was way more optimistic than season three, Will. <laughs> he was, yeah. He was. He was also drinking a lot more. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Well, I think on that cheery note, uh, on that positive note, we're uh, we're going to end this episode. Just a quick few plugs first, so you can find our podcast on all major podcasting platforms so spotify apple podcast google podcast acast you can find us on twitter at t-o-t-t podcast you can find us on facebook by searching for talk of the tune podcast you can find us on instagram i've remembered it this time hodge at t-o-t-t underscore podcast correct correct nailed it if you feel so obliged you can drop us an email at info at tottpodcast.co.uk we'd really appreciate it if you could give us a follow on spotify or wherever you can follow us and also if you're feeling super generous and you're feeling really festive you can give us a five star festive review that would be excellent before we go i think this is our christmas episode this will be our last episode before christmas just want to wish all of our listeners uh, a very very merry christmas and a happy new year. Don't know if we'll be recording between now and the new year. Hopefully so, but I'll keep you posted. And yeah, have a have a very nice Christmas. I'll speak to you guys soon. I'll see you on the Christmas Eve peeve. Happy January transfer window, fingers crossed. Oh yeah. <laughs> Rubbing hands here. Here we go. 200 million quid. I won't accept any less. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, thanks thanks so much guys. We'll uh, we'll speak to you later and uh yeah, see you in the next one. Bye. Merry Christmas. Bye. Merry Christmas. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal a last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.